0: It's called the Radio Apotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at NewsTalk 710 KURV. I'll keep your eyes on the road you upon the wheel. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on NewsTalk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Davis.
1: And I don't know what the weather was Friday night in Corpus Christi when our Brownsville boys played uh, those football giants of Smithson Valley, which is north of San Antonio, but then there's a whole lot north of San Antonio. Uh, but uh, it wasn't a, it wasn't it wasn't the kind of weather that led the Brownsville boys to prevail because we were so hopeful for them, but they lost to Smithson Valley. And before we get to uh, Fred, you're there, football Fred Alfaro. Is with us Um, And you had me believing they might do it Yeah you know I see it's possible Yeah sometimes uh, You know I don't know if you're old enough to remember when The Southwest Conference and Rice University Was part of it And it's just all a bunch of Eggheads and folks like that Rice Institute there was a time when When if you got in they paid For your tuition And uh you think what else? And um, they played Texas back when Texas was a superpower, and John Kennedy, in sometime after his election, talking about he was talking about going to the moon, space race, which I thought was everybody agreed to, but it was controversial. Um, spending all that money, he says, "Why does, why does rice play Texas? Why are they going to get their head beat in? Well, you don't think you're going to get your head beat in. And we thought they were going to win. So what happened?
2: Well, you know, it's it's you brought up something very interesting, where when you play, and we said this at the at the last part when we spoke last week, said so look, there's a couple of things you can't teach, right? We've said this before on the program. Yeah, you just can't do it. And what what exactly are we talking about? Well, the fact that you can't teach speed and you can't teach size. Uh-huh. That's, if you were to say, what is the biggest difference, right, biggest difference from Valley schools with other schools from across, let's say up, up in the San Antonio area and above, is that, that, you know, either you have the size and the speed or you don't. Now, the Valley, I will tell you this, not just Brownsville veterans, but other teams as well have gone really close now. And if you see some of these teams with the value saying, well, yeah, the value is not as small as you think it is, and the size of the players isn't. They're catching up. They're, some of these players are there. The talent is there. The coaching is there. But then you, you've you heard this before. You play a team that is just a bit better. Hey, I'm going to ask you to think a little bit back here. Go to last year's um, one of the finals that happened between Georgia. I remember Georgia and TCU had a, had a massive season last year in football. You remember that? Yeah. TCU was one of the better. remember they played Georgia. TCU was a fantastic team, one of the best in the country. But all of a sudden they played a Georgia team who yeah. eventually became the national champion. That's basically what you saw this past week. Not that Brownsville Veterans isn't a good coach team or it's not a, they're not a, they're not a talented they they are. They just went, ran up against a better team and there's no shame in that because that's the way football works. Now remember they didn't make a lot of mistakes either. I mean it wasn't like they gave them the, the, the game. They just they can't, you know, we said one of the things that had to happen was Bronzo veterans had to slow things down and limit the points. Well it was it was not even the first quarter yet. Yeah. Was not even not even halfway down and it was already fourteen <laughs> zero. So you, you see that's 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 when we said now I will say, Well, how do you know they were a better team? Well just just as a fact that there, there's a lot of players on this team that are going to be playing on Saturday, which means you're going to be playing college ball. They have some of the some of the receivers, some of their players will be mm-hmm. playing at the University of Texas. They're they're committed already to play at the next level, mm-hmm. so it's not that you know that, that it's just not that the, they played a bad game. It's just they played a very good team, a better team at this point, and and that's just the way it goes sometimes. But you know, we said some things had to happen in order for for Bronzo to mm-hmm. pull the upset. Of course, they didn't happen. So, so, but the, the thing, the point is that uh, you had a lot of players that are going to be playing a different, at different and a different level next year, and and that showed that showed very quickly. Hey, just a fact that everybody led the week before Brownsville Veterans played Smith and Valley. Uh, the week before Smith and Valley beat the team that everybody, that most high school football, the professionals or the pros here thought that tech, that A and M consolidated, was going to be the the champion of of, of of the state champion. Well Smithson Valley beat them <laughs> yeah. beat them last week before they took on Brownsville Veterans. But uh, just in case you're wondering, maybe you've already tuned out of Valley High School Football. That's possible, but if you're interested, Smithson Valley's taking on a very talented Alito team. That's gonna be happening at Jerry's world pretty soon here, towards the end of the month. Uh, that'll be a for the championship, the five A championship. It'll be Smithson Valley Alito Alito is on another level. So that'll be interesting to see how Smithson Valley competes against probably a powerhouse in the state in in Alito. Mm. So that'll be fun. That'll be fun to watch. And then you kind of go back and say, Hey, no wonder. Hey, Smithson Valley ended up being the champion. Hey, well, we lost to the champion. Yeah. It's not a bad, uh, it doesn't look bad on the resume, does it? Yeah.
1: We're talking with, uh, we call him football, Fred Alvaro, and the um he hasn't he has a regular job but uh, apparently sure. uh, Fred your love is valley valley high school football and, and all things sports no no valley high school uh, field hockey no valley high school cricket but uh, one one day um if
2: there was we would be there if it was we would be there
1: t- tell us about I'm sorry if i I didn't write it down which means that i didn't i don't remember it but what is it you do with was it KWES in Westaco, Westaco Schools?
2: Right. So one of the things that we take care of, and why we're involved involved so much in, in high school sports, is um, who we work for. KWES, K W, they call it K West in Westaco, which is the mm-hmm. school owned, run, uh, operated school district TV channel. And they they offer um, these all these games from not just football, but you saw volleyball. You're you're going to see. Coming up basketball season has just just started. You'll see soccer, men's and women's, all these men's and women's sports is basically the the, the channel to watch anything for Wesseco ISD. There's two high schools, Wesseco East yeah. and Wesseco High, and they, they they play boys and girls activities. And so you get we cover all their all their um their sports. So we get to see a lot of athletes. a lot of athletes in different mm-hmm. sports so we get to know them. And so that's where we have a good feel for what's happening mm-hmm. against other teams because you play some of the top teams, especially in the district that both schools are in. But, yeah, the Valley itself, we're excited. Next year, hey, speaking of the veterans, they're supposed to jump up to 6A. That's, that's what the, the rumor birds are saying. They're a mm-hmm. they're, they're big school now. So it's going to be interesting. They get back some kids. they they got some athletes coming back next year. They lose some seniors, obviously, like everybody else does. Yeah. But they have the, a good core of, of the team for Brownsville Veterans coming back next year. Now the question is, how are they going to compete against the Big Valley boys? The Harlingen's, the San Benitos, the Westlacos, that kind of that kind of, these are bigger school districts that yeah. have been around for years now. Let me ask you so, a, we, we'll
1: Let me ask you a question, but let me preface it with with this. Something I read the other day, three quarters, 75 percent of the Texas population lives, in a rough tri- a triangle, roughly from Dallas-Fort Worth to the San Antonio area, over to Houston, seventy-five percent. That includes Smithson Valley. So left out of that is us in West Texas and the Panhandle. Uh, but of course, the cliche um, that uh, Mexicans and Mexican Americans, and I suppose if you get if we have some Salvadorans and others who stop here and decide to live here, their their journey north, they decide to live here. They're not renowned for being six foot six. In other words, the average person here, and I don't know whether that's baked into the cards or whether better, of course, I don't really care about it 100 years from now. I care about now. Better nutrition or something can make yep. people. But yeah. are we just doomed because we're smaller overall to uh, get whipped by these monsters upstate?
2: There's two things that I've noticed in covering valley sports the years that we've done it, not, not just football, but any sport, right? It's about the time, effort that you spend on a sport. Now, the size and the speed that we said, either you have it or you don't. The Valley is catching up. Why? There's a there's few reasons why. You said it. Um, taking better care of yourself, uh, having a healthier diet, you know, being athletic, working out, that, that's changed a lot. Now there's full-round, year-round basketball programs in the Valley, Four-year baseball. That's why these baseball programs oh. and soccer programs—they they go. They get yeah. they places. They're little, and they, by the time you know it, they've been playing for years. I'm starting to catch up.
1: I've got to. I've got to bounce and let you bounce too. Um, but uh, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. And I know we'll meet again over the telephone. Uh, talk about some pleasant sporting event. Thank you very much, football Fred Alfado You're listening to the Nine Five Six Drive Home here on Seven Ten KURV.
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com 710 KURV This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com
1: Here's Davis I was really interested in what was going on in Houston. Uh, I will confess I'm not a fan of Sheila Jackson Lee the congressperson. I didn't realize she was 74. I'll tell you what she doesn't doesn't look it. uh, but but uh, the the person who defeated her, uh, John Whitmire. I knew that name. He served in the Texas Senate for a long time and a de- as a Democrat. And he actually had a committee chairmanship. Somehow, he got one from the Republican Lieutenant Governor. Uh, Bob Stein is with us. He is the uh, he's a professor of political science uh, at Rice University. And um, so how did how did John Whitmire do it and i say that the back of my mind is that uh houston harris county used to be a reliable republican area and it ain't reliable anymore so um so what happened well you must be very
3: old Um, (laughs) uh, it's the last time uh, republicans um had any influence because it's got to be at least 20 years ago at least in the city the county harris had been reliably republican up until about 2020 Probably 2016. Um, But John Whitmire won the election the old fashioned way. He got more votes than the other candidate. Um, And, you know, there weren't a lot of votes cast, um, which is probably the key to this. Um, Turnout in the general election was somewhere around 17, 18% of registered voters in in the city. Um, And that number dropped to probably, uh, I think, about uh, 11 to 12%. Most importantly, the most distinguishing characteristic of the electorate this uh, runoff election on Saturday was that 55% of all voters were over the age of 54. Wow. So you're, you're looking, excuse me, over the age of 64. I, said, I Good you know, Lord. I apologize. These are older, predominantly white homeowners. Um, so when you have an electorate that's been living at their residence, I, I've estimated that, um, again, this more than half of the voters who cast their ballots have lived at their homes, which they own, for over 20 years. This is not Houston. This isn't even Harris County. This isn't even (laughs) Texas. The people that elected John Whitmire are distinctively different than the people that live here. Now, of course, um, registered voters are not all white. Registered voters aren't by any means over the ages of 64, but... It's an old and it's a residentially stable and homeowner electorate. Um, John Whitmire announced his uh, candidacy probably about a year ago. Um, yeah. What people may not have known was is his chief opponent at the time he announced was now the uh, controller elect, a man named Chris Hollins, a young man under 40 yeah. who had, uh, had claimed to fame was that he was the interim county clerk during the 20th election, which of course was during COVID and did what many would thought was an admirable, if not spectacular job in handling that election um, in terms of both the challenges to voters and to poll workers. More importantly, Chris Hollins had announced for mayor and then abruptly announced for controller when many of his supporters and many of I'll call progressive Democrats felt he couldn't win against Whitmire and they substituted Sheila Jackson Lee. And from the day she announced, polling showed that she was not likely to win an election, Um, maybe get into the runoff, as she did. um, But Mm. she lost um, almost two to one. Uh, I think John Whitmire got something close to 67 percent of the vote cast. So, I mean, why did Whitmire do so well? Well, he started off the campaign with a war chest um, that was 10 times larger than what um, Sheila Jackson Lee even even raised during the campaign. Um, he had uh, both had high name recognition, but um, Sheila Jackson Lee, um, sadly for her candidacy, her name recognition came with very strong negatives outside of the oh. African-American community. And even there, it wasn't overwhelming. Her favorables there were running around 75 percent. But her negatives with the remaining electorate, Hispanics, Anglos, um, was you know, well into the high 50s. Um, Long term of, of office, she's been in over 30 years. Um, uh, has not um, added um, luster yeah. um, to her reputation. At least that, even in her congressional district, it's worth noting here, because she is a congressperson from the um, uh, 18th congressional district, she only won her congressional district in the mayor's race with 51% of the vote. Even Pete. many women who were in her district barely gave her a, 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 a majority of the vote um, for mayor. Um, She did uh, on Monday have to file for and did file for re-election to the House. Um, She has at least two opponents. One may be more substantial, but remains to be seen if anybody can defeat her. But um, the election was largely determined, I think, by a set of concerns that voters had, ranging from everything from core basic services to a perception of high crime. Um, that carried over from the county judge's race in 2022 where um, the incumbent Democrat, a woman named Hidalgo, almost lost um, or barely won over a newcomer Republican named Mueller. And the issue of crime um, was rather um, strong um, both in terms of perceived problems and desire. Whitmire, however, he's got some serious problems to confront the city's um, coffers, as it were, revenues. Are are just about yeah. at, at at the lowest end they can be. Um, we have no bonding authority.
1: No bonding authority? Things.
3: Excuse me. We have no bonds. I should say we have plenty of bonding authority. We just haven't issued e- it. Okay. Is, we haven't passed a bond in the city of Houston since twenty twelve, which means that the ability to borrow money for capital projects, yeah. roads, bridges, water, are are, are negligible. Um, more importantly, we have a state and local city impose a revenue cap. The state has taken over our school district, our voting operations, yeah. um, along with these caps. Um, the revenues needed to, to address some very serious problems um, are simply not there. And Whitmire acknowledged that um, and, and, and incurred the wrath of the current mayor, Sylvester Turner, who said, you know, <laughs> we've done a pretty good job. I'm not here to deny that, but...
1: They're old colleagues from the legislature. I'm sorry? They're uh, old colleagues from the legislature.
3: Well, they may be both members of the legislature. The word colleague implies a level of uh, collegiality that I think has long since, uh, how can I say, eroded. Um, yeah, were, says
1: uh, how, you. i Says but, you. Uh, I'm sorry. You said that, and I... I I, um, I'm making a I'm joke. I'm
3: sure both of them. If you read the local newspapers, you'll see that they've had during this campaign some very, very harsh exchanges, um, uh, particularly from the mayor, who felt that what? John Whitmire had badly maligned the city, uh, its citizens, and its public servants.
1: Other than that, he's a stand-up guy. Uh, the 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 thing that I well, let me back out of that. I have time probably for one question. Uh, I think that the population of Houston or Harris County is, in some ways I don't like to do this, but it's like 40% Hispanic. Well, he, big. actually 45. 45, now it seems to me they have the whip hand then. Um, to, and I, I, don't, I, don't, I can't think of another way to ask the question without kind of racializing it, but uh, a, as the Hispanic community, both newly arrived and long there, As they go, I would think they're going to kind of be controlling. And it won't be Anglos and it won't be black people. And it's not going to be the Vietnamese because they're So were they for Whitmire? Is it broken out? It's much more complicated
3: than that. Um, And if time prevails, we'll simply say this. Although they are 45 percent of the residential population, they're barely 27 percent of the registered vote. Wow. And therein lies the problem. If if you're not even close to half of what your population is among registered voters, yeah. then you net them of their um, actual turnout, and you can begin to see that yep. the influence of the Hispanic vote. Did they go for Whitmire? Yes, they went for Whitmire slightly less than did the entire electorate. But the pivot here, the yeah. real and influential electorate, I think, both in the general and the runoff, were white Republicans. They were cohesive. They were um, fashioned to support Whitmire. Yeah. Um, the Republican leadership in Austin, particularly lieutenant governor, made it very clear that they wanted to see John Whitmire oh. win, and they would not help any other Republican. Tim yeah. Dave Martin and a man named Michael Kavash were told us not to run as Republicans, even though this is a nonpartisan race.
1: Professor Bob Stein, I hate to be abrupt, but I'm at the end of my time. Not my rope, but my time. Thank you very much. We appreciate it greatly. did a great job. And you're listening to the 956 Drive Home? You're listening to
0: an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com.
4: I love your show. Hello. Hello. Having our voices heard. That's right. Yeah. You live and you learn. Exactly right. Wait. This is our country. Use
2: your heads on this stuff. Bingo.
4: Sick of the talking heads. I agree with you. Talk, 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 talk. Hello. Hello. Yes, I'm here. I'm just listening. Yes. No. Yeah. No. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Everyone is so smart. They are so dumb. Who is she the judge? Stand up to do something. Thank you.
0: The Valley's only News Talk station, News Talk 710 KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Davis.
1: Uh, well, I want to um, turn our attention to uh, education savings accounts, and I don't know—I don't know, uh, don't know if that's a euphemism. It can be a euphemism, but I don't know if it's the euphemism for vouchers. Um, and we want to—well, um, now that it's been turned down by the legislature, we want to find out what. Um, What's going to happen next? Um, and one of the guys watching it is Docs Gonzalez. And hang on. I'm calling him. That's not what I want to do. I, want to, I don't know his title. I'm real stuck on titles. I don't ask me why. And um, he is um, director of government relations for the Texas Association of School Boards. And he's no neophyte. And he's one who's supposed to have his finger on the pulse the legislators. Thanks for being with us. We appreciate it. So good to be
5: with you, Davis. Good to hear you again.
1: Uh, good to hear you. The, if you're taking the pulse of the legislature, is it beating fast or being slow or there is a heartbeat, I assume. So
5: uh, it, I'll say they're ready for the holidays. That's, that's <laughs> what they're ready for. Uh, it's been a grueling uh, year. You know, they had a, a, a full regular session to start out the year They've had sport, four special sessions since then, and uh, they're ready to be home, be with their families, uh, do their regular jobs. You know, because yeah. In Texas, we have part-time legislators, so during the regular yeah. time, they're lawyers, doctors, engineers, whatever, and so they are uh, back doing those things, and um, for the foreseeable future, at least, uh, we think that they'll go ahead and, and stay home until probably February or so, but... Um, that's always just uh, oh. a rumor, and it can change at any time.
1: Yes, I had, uh, I think I was told that there is a rumor that the governor will call them back, Because only the governor can call a special session and only he can set only he can set the agenda that they're going to 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 work on. That he would wait until primary season just to put a little extra squeeze on them. Have you heard the same thing?
5: Uh, i I have heard that they would be probably called back in February uh, and that is right around primary time that's right before in March and uh, and and that's important because you know as as you know and, and other folks following politics is uh, the primaries are where a lot of the decisions are made yeah so you know a lot of us think about voting in, in November but um, sometimes depending on where you live your choice is already made up for you if you wait till November so I always Uh, encourage people go out and vote in the primaries in March because that's when it really counts.
1: Now vouchers or education savings accounts, I don't don't know any other two two ways to refer to them, have been resisted by Democrats in the legislature uh, traditionally and by, they keep saying rural Republicans, but not all Republicans have been rural, I was told. Um, Like one guy who represents College Station, which is not particularly rural, he, he, he was opposed to them. So is that coalition yeah. still sticking?
5: Uh, you know, they're, uh, they call them rural Republicans. Also, I guess the twenty-four for a while they were called because oh. uh, there were twenty-four of them.
1: Um, <laughs> the famous twenty-four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
5: and, and and I'm not sure that all. I don't think all twenty-four of those stuck through to the to the final vote there uh, that we had uh, in November. But um, yeah, it, it's it's. I, I think. The, the, the way the classroom is is it's those twenty four or whatever they were at the end, uh are those that are just really tied into their local community schools, um and and really listening to what their um what mm-hmm. the local parents and, and the schools are, are saying. But uh but yeah, they're, they're, for the most part it, it's it's maybe what maybe what was rural, you know, ten years ago and maybe it's a little they have new words for 'em, you know, like serving and um and and suburban rural and everything you guys, I, i'm not a you, demographer davis
1: you you know you guys up there in fancy austin can say whatever you want but we're gonna say rural um yes around the and uh i would assume that and i know what is, happens when you assume that when you get into west texas i assume south texas is growing i mean everything between the river and San Antonio-Austin going all the way over to El Paso is growing, but I don't know that. But then certainly West Texas has been shrinking for years. Um, so uh, do, do you worry when they go home that uh, the other team will get to them? That is to say, because um, they're going to be gone for a long time, that the lieutenant governor or somebody's going to show up and either – squeeze on them or make them an offer they can't refuse and you're not going to know about it right for a long time until we get back yeah well you know we we uh we work with what we've got
5: you know and and, and we everyone we, we always say it, it has we uh we work with everyone everyone is our friend we we do our best we may not agree on all issues but maybe there's another issue that we can work on so we don't ever see it as you know one side or another side on all issues because there's there are plenty of issues to go around in the legislature. And so, um, a lot of these have seen primary challenges in previous years on these and other issues. Um, you know, it, it, and it, on issues, which people a lot more polarizing, you know, like abortion or other things. And so, um, Mm. you know, I, I, I know that they, um, they, they have dealt with those primaries before and and they're still there and and we've some retirements coming up. Uh, some folks have announced that they're not going to be running yeah. again. And, uh, and so you always wonder who's going to come in and, and, and take their – but, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's like uh, like new friends. You're, just, you're, you're waiting to see who comes in and then on what issues you can work together and, and on the others maybe you can't. But, uh, you know, you always try to have to start from that position of, of positivity.
1: How, how, you're from Mack How long have you worked for the Texas Association School Boards? Oh
5: gosh, uh, I now uh, 17 years. 17 wow. years, yeah. But I was born in McAllen, grew up in Farr, uh, went to Sherland, and uh, lived what? in McAllen. So you all over. Make that. up
1: your mind. Where are you going to
5: live? <laughs> <laughs> My parents were educators, so they, you know, oh. that one uh, was at PSJ, one was at Sherland. But so it, uh, you know, but I love going back. And you, you talk about growth. Oh, uh, and that make every, every time I go down there, it's just, it's, I feel like it's bigger
1: and it is. it's more it's, stuff going that's on because it and, is bigger and there is more stuff going on and,
5: yeah. Uh, no, it's it, yeah, it's great. I mean, it's good to see that because, you know, you don't want to, you definitely don't want to see it declining. So it, it definitely is growing, but uh, that always does bring new challenges and, and with growth. I told
1: that, um, well, a uh, uh, I don't have any more time to take up another question, so I'll uh, bid you a fond farewell. And we hope Santa, if we don't talk to you before Christmas, we hope Santa visits you. Because uh, he does know where you're living now, right? You're not like... Uh, he he certainly does. And, and my kids my kids will
5: make
0: sure that he knows.
1: Thank you very much, uh, Doc Gonzalez, Texas Association School Board. You're listening to the 956 Drive Home here on 710 KORV.
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on Newstalk 710 KURV and KURV.com. KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com.
1: Here's Davis. Patrick's VTech either assigned this himself to himself, or he was assigned to run down the the high po- the high points of who's running for for what. Uh, let me read a little bit of his handiwork, and then we'll go from there. At the top of the ticket, Democrats have a primary for U.S. Senate that's drawn at least 10 candidates. U.S. Representative Colin Allred from Dallas, he's a lawyer and a former NFL football player, and a good looking guy, I think, and, and I'm straight. He has crushed the pack in fundraising, and his competitors include State Senator Roland Gutierrez uh, from San Antonio, who also represents Uvalde, State Representative Carl Sherman from DeSoto. In South Dallas County, I think it is. And Mark Gonzalez, former district attorney for Nueces County, known, I think, as much as anything for his tattoos. Uh, people down here don't know about him. Uh, but Democrats' most spirited fights could be further down the ballot, especially in Dallas and Houston. Okay. Uh, what what do you think, uh, Patrick, uh, what, what would you regard as the most surprising uh, or the most unanticipated, most unpredicted, most unanticipated filing um i'm i'm catching you flat-footed i realize what surprised you the most
4: yeah there were a few significant uh late developments uh on either sunday or monday before the filing deadline on monday evening uh one of them was one that you mentioned was congresswoman sheila jackson lee filing for re-election in houston um as your listeners may know, she ran in the Houston mayoral race, which did not come to a conclusion until Saturday, and she lost uh, pretty badly, by she, the way, uh, but she had kind of kept it a secret as to whether she would run for re-election her congressional seat if she had lost the mayoral race, um, and within 24 hours of losing, I believe, she cleared that up and went ahead and filed for re-election. Um, You know, I think she is the the favorite there, uh, but she does face a primary challenge from Amanda Edwards, who is a former Houston City Council member Uh who herself had been running for mayor earlier this year, but then dropped out to make way for Sheila Jackson Lee. And so, um, you know, they had been kind of political allies throughout the Houston mayoral race. Now they're going to be political opponents in her congressional primary. So that was one of the significant late developments, I would say. Another one was up in Dallas, um, where State Representative Victoria Nieves Criado uh, launched a kind of late uh, primary challenge to State Senator Nathan Johnson, yeah. um, a fellow Dallas Democrat. Um, you know, and that is definitely going to be one to watch. Um, two well-known uh, Democratic politicians in Dallas um, are going to be, you know, facing off in a primary now.
1: And Johnson defeated. The then Republican Senator, uh, what's his name, Huffines?
4: Yes, yeah, you may remember uh, Nathan Johnson first won election to his state Senate seat in 2018 when he defeated uh, a Republican state senator, Don Huffines, a very uh, conservative Republican state senator. Um, so, you know, he flipped that seat and he's been, you know, a pretty solid Democrat um, in the Senate, uh, but. You know, Victoria Nyave uh, who's now running against him, is just making the case that he has not fought hard enough against the Republican agenda. Oh, uh, she criticized him for a couple of his recent votes as it relates to some uh, immigration enforcement issues. So, you know, it's going to be uh, a, a spirited race, I would imagine.
1: Well, uh, I don't want to put you in a box, but uh, which would be more left of center? And um, I, I don't know what the ethnic composition... I don't want to boil it down to that because it's not always boiled down to, it, but Dallas Dallas is more than 50% Hispanic or, I mean, it's a huge, huge um, Hispanic population, I guess. I get, if well, I were, well, I'd be well, counting on that. It. So go ahead. From
4: a political, you know, strategy standpoint, I mean, she is going to position herself uh, to the left of Nathan Johnson and put herself forward as a more reliable Democrat or more liberal Democrat. Um, But then there is also, as you point out, the question of representation. Nathan Johnson um, is a white man holding this state Senate seat in Dallas, which is a diverse city like a lot of cities in Texas, Um, and Victoria Niave Criado is a uh, Hispanic woman. Um, so, you know, there are obvious, uh, there's an obvious contrast there in terms of, um, ethnicity, um, and what kind of representation the voters of that Senate district deserve, uh, given their demographic makeup. So I think to answer your question, uh, yes, you'll see her, uh, make the case that she is a better Democrat than him and perhaps a more progressive Democrat than him. Um, uh, but the undercurrent to all of this will also be the demographic contrast as well, I believe.
1: You know, I've just pulled up. Just pulled up the Senate District sixteen in Dallas, the one that he occupies, and it's a monstrosity. Have you looked at it? It goes from Irving all the way over to Fort Worth, comes back. It does. And this yeah. little sliver goes into downtown and then goes up, 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 up. I mean, who this is a this is a nightmare district, but neither you or I can fix that. So <laughs> Well, it used to be a battleground
4: district, as as I pointed out. You know, it was a district that was competitive enough for him to for Johnson to capture it from a Republican. Um, But after redistricting in twenty twenty one, it was redrawn to be a much more safely Democratic district. I believe that, um, you know, if this district were around in twenty twenty, I think uh, President Joe Biden would have carried it by something like 30 points. So um, used to be a battleground district. Now it is a just safely, solidly blue uh, Democratic district.
1: Um, of course, him being a white guy That's not a problem for you and me I, re- I realize that But um, we're both white guys so I'm sorry, I had to go for you know, it I had to go for the low-hanging fruit He a—he has a physics degree And he composes music um,
4: Yeah, he's, he is a, a very smart guy And has a pretty unique uh, background As you just pointed out With his, his background in music composition um, And he's carved out um, you know, a, a distinct profile, I'd say uh, in the Senate. He's been very out, very outspoken, uh, supporter of Medicaid expansion, um, which obviously, does, you know, has faces long odds in the Republican dominated <laughs> Senate, but uh, in terms of more realistic progress, um, he's kind of emerged as, uh, Senate Democrats top expert when it comes to power grid issues. And that that's, I think that's a debate where he's had, you know, more of a, uh, an actual impact given yeah. that there has been bipartisan interest in that at the Capitol. And so he's kind of become, a, you know, I would say the top Senate democratic lawmaker when it comes to those issues. I think he's been, he's had a seat at the table um, on those
1: issues. Very quickly. Cause we're out of time. Uh, the uh, Lieutenant governor and the governor and the attorney general, I think have all pledged to try to uh, knock out in the Republican primary, those Republicans who either didn't go for vouchers or they voted to impeach uh, and, and convict Ken Paxton. Have you had a chance to see if they're running somebody in each primary against the uh, malefactors?
4: Yeah, I mean, we're definitely, we've, we've seen an increase in primary challengers to Texas House Republicans as a result of all this uh, intraparty uh, yeah. warfare. Um, the numbers that we ran today um, showed that last election cycle, about like 40% of House Republicans who were running for re-election had primary opposition, so that number was 40% last cycle. It's looking like it's going to get close to 60% this cycle, so, mm-hmm. you know, th- th- you know, to, to boil that down, you know, every three out of five, you know, Republican members of the, the House have a pri- at least one primary challenger, mm-hmm. so we have seen an increase in, in primary yeah. challengers, and I do think it's because of Um, You know, what you just pointed out, you've got two statewide officials, the governor and the attorney general, who are both, uh, you know, out for revenge. Um, You know, in some cases, they're backing the same primary challengers. In some cases, they're not. So that's just driving a lot of drama uh, and and a lot of just the sheer numbers of primary challengers this election cycle.
1: Patrick Zietek is a reporter for uh, Texas Tribune. You can read a, a nice long story he's written in today's Texas Tribune. And uh, I think he's their senior political reporter as well. Patrick Svitek, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Uh, Until another time, you're listening to the 956 Drive Home here on 710 KURV.
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. It's called the Radiopotami app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. Hey, as long as you're scrolling through your phone checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Radiopotami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing.